You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 on this Sunday evening. I'm Richard Cock, and this program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. And in it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And I'm delighted to say that thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I can speak to someone in Makanda, what used to be Grahamstown, uh, tonight, and that is Catherine Foxcroft. Good evening. Good evening, Richard. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. And I think just before we set off, perhaps you could tell people uh, who you are and what you are in the world and in Makanda. Gosh, um, all right. So who I am in Makanda, um, I work at the Rhodes University Music Department. So my um, areas of expertise are piano and music psychology. Um, I'm currently head of department. I have been for five years and this will be my last year. So I've served two terms and I'm ready to get back to music and art. Um, anybody who served as an HOD anywhere in any profession knows that it's more administration, which I enjoy, but uh, it's, it's, it's served its purpose now and I've had enough. So the fun part of my job is the piano students, the ensemble students, um, and uh, Music Health and the Brain is a course we offer. It's an introductory course to music psychology at the university, and it often leads to students then doing postgraduate work, um, so at honors level, master's, PhD, um, in uh, uh, psychology or cognition um, we don't offer the masters in therapy, which the Pretoria University does, but um, therapy is only one avenue in music psychology. So that's who I am in in Makanda. I'm also a mom with a son who plays cello quite beautifully. I'm a, I'm biased. I realised I'm his mom, <laughs> but he's um, introduced me very much to string playing, which I I didn't do as a child. I was a wind player and piano. So it's been so educational to um, see somebody go from scratch to sort of a grade eight level in in cello. Um, In the world, I'm not so sure anymore who I am. I've been here in South Africa for now um, 17 years. I left Germany where I studied for and worked for 12 years um, right after leaving the University of Cape Town. Um, I went there in 1991 and returned with my husband in 2003 um, to to start work at Rhodes and yeah we've been here ever since. So in the in the world, I think the the most I've done internationally since since leaving Germany is I have performed um, on the Maxim Gorky ship. Um, I have attended uh, numerous international conferences where I've presented my research because I did a um, although I did a um, performance the equivalent of the performance uh, PhD in Germany. Um, I did the academic PhD, or rather DMAS, through Pretoria University when I came back and graduated with that in 2014. So a lot of my international um, work now is is really, I mean, I've published a few articles, but it's it's more attending conferences when we could travel to the conferences. And yeah, um, I suppose that's who I yeah. see myself at the moment. And and that's a fantastic introduction. Thank you very much. And just to, to say your your area of interest 
uh, if I'm correct in psychology, is the mm. psychology of performance and and correct. the nervous stress associated with that. Is that correct? Yes. So my my uh, research itself dealt with the degree or extent to which performance themselves experience any kind of emotion when performing. So the. I focused on pianists in this and I interviewed um, international pianists who came to South Africa to perform and I compared it with um, student pianists. Well, they weren't really students, but they were, let's say, young and they were performing at the UNISA International Piano Competition. And that was, I think, 2012 or 2011. I might have my dates wrong, but um, it was the one then. Um, and it, there is a kind of a... Um, a a myth, uh, that's quite a strong word, but people in an audience at a music performance tend to think that because the musician who is performing is playing such emotive music, um, that they themselves must be experiencing strong emotions. And as a performer myself, I knew that this actually wasn't true and in fact couldn't be true because just even physiologically, if you get overwhelmed by any kind of emotion, you will often lose the even physiological control of your instruments. If you're a singer, um, as a pianist, your, your, your hands might shake or your knees might shake. And, uh, but most importantly, you stop listening and all sorts of problems come in when you, as the performer stopped listening. So I knew that there was something else going on, but I wasn't sure at the time how really others experienced it um, or, or, or what their experience was. I knew that sometimes I was overwhelmed with when I performed, but that that wasn't ideal. Yeah. So that was what I w w investigated. And if you want to know the result, um, <laughs> do you want to know well, the result? Let's, let's listen to some to music. Thesis? No, no, we, we're going to listen <laughs> to some music first. We <laughs> a short version. And then we need the short version. So let's start with your first choice of music, which is uh, Autumn Leaves. This is Errol Garner, and here it comes. That was Autumn Leaves uh, featuring Errol Garner and the choice of Catherine Foxcroft, who's my guest in People of Note. And it is autumn right now, so it's an appropriate time to play Autumn Leaves. And perhaps just before we get back to psychology, just tell us about your enjoyment of jazz. I have loved jazz since I was a student, I didn't really listen to it much as a child. Um, but while I was at UCT, um, of, they offered jazz at the time. And then when I went overseas, there was quite a lot of jazz in Germany. In fact, it was a jazz festival in, in Hannover, um, which was quite a, it is quite a large international festival. And I, I just, I just began to love it. And I also, now I wasn't playing jazz, but I was experimenting a bit to try and earn some money in hotel uh, bars. Um, that sounds dreadful, but uh, no, you know, no, we've all done that in our time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very lucrative. Um, and so I just take, you know, jazz standards with chords. And obviously, I, I mean, I can't, I don't, I don't claim to be able to improvise like a jazz pianist at all. Um, but I, I would play also, and Autumn Leaves was one that I particularly enjoyed playing. So um, then when I just started to discover uh, artists like Errol Garner and and sort of their different versions of it. This this one is always this the one that's just played is always kind of just my breath catches. It's the kind of the it's always with me. It's music in music. It's the timings that I think I'm, rhythm is a is like it's a huge factor in my musical experience. And anybody starts playing with 
amazing changes in in the in the time and space of something which Errol definitely does in this one and actually probably quite a few of the artists I put on my list today um yeah I'm enthralled so autumn leaves um has a special place in my heart it makes me think of playing on a nightly basis in a Hanover bar at about midnight um on a weekly basis or daily basis actually yeah. um during certain periods so yeah very special close to my heart good and actually here on classic 1027 we often play uh you performing with the Hanover Hochschule Orchestra, I think. Is that correct? It's a piano concerto. Beethoven, yes. Beethoven, yeah. yes. yes. Was that during your student time as well? That was, yes, it was was my final um, exam. So earlier I mentioned that I did the PhD performance equivalent, well, PhD equivalent in performance in Germany. They didn't offer the academic yeah. one, which I have done in South Africa. So that was one of the three final exams. And um, yeah, so there's a CD that I have of that. There is a, a more recent performance that I performed with the Free State uh, Symphony Orchestra um, in 2018. And that, that's actually uploaded onto YouTube. Um, it is probably my favorite concerto. Um, the minute I say that, though, I think of the Beethoven Fourth, which I haven't performed, but which I have been learning, especially last year, um, where I had more time to practice and learn new music. So I got quite far with getting that together. And yeah, I hope I can one day get on stage and play that. Yeah, that is a uh, actually, I have to say, that's one of my favorite pieces. Um, okay. <laughs> it's just a, it's an amazing piece, especially that uh, the slow movement. Yes. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Now, Interestingly enough, you said when you listen to Autumn Leaves, it makes you catch your breath, which implies a little bit of emotion somewhere. Um, so perhaps let's just get back to that subject, because I think it's a very interesting subject. And I noticed when I was in your music department, uh, whenever I was last at the, uh, Graham's, the National Arts Festival, that there is a board up there with a whole lot of comments from people about emotion in performance. And yes. uh, you were saying earlier that uh, you you have in your time been overwhelmed, and I certainly have. When it's got with in my case, it's also got to do with um, let's say conducting the St Matthew Passion. By the time you get to the end, uh, it's been three hours of very intense concentration when you're holding mm. everything together. And the final chorus is so overwhelming that I certainly mm. have been overwhelmed. Fortunately, mm. when you're conducting, you're not actually directly in touch with any instrument. So whether you, mm. your touch becomes uh, uh, shaky or your knees shake I, uh, is not of any interest to anyone, but I have certainly been overwhelmed in performance. Mm. And... Uh, just talk to us about that because obviously some people I mean people are different and some people do get emotional mm. but what you're saying is that uh, you have to be very careful not to lose control absolutely and as you actually just answered your own question in a way you you talk about the concentration that you that's required if you're conducting a three-hour work and Concentration was really the key to my, my studies in the end, because obviously the performer does experience something. It's, it, we're not robots. Yeah. But the question was, what, what, what am I experiencing or, or what is actually happening with the performer? If indeed one can't feel emotions yeah. um, to the extent that we become overwhelmed. 
And I'd like to just first of all separate uh, between listener and performer because the listener is, should be overwhelmed. Well, that's, that's the aim, that's the goal of the performer to provide an experience where the audience is um, transported uh, to a realm of might be ecstasy or joy or a release of pent up uh, more negative emotions. So your point as a performer is to touch, is to uh, raise or, or to connect with people on an emotional level. But the performer, if, if you can imagine, Richard, so, so the music that you're conducting is, is overwhelming, but should you give into it if, if any time before the last of the closing seconds of the piece, one does lose concentration. You lose the bigger picture. You lose a sense of, um, it could be the timing, the, the, the togetherness of the, of the group. I'll, I'll talk as a pianist because I'm not yeah, a conductor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's silly if I talk as a conductor. But there is uh, so much more going on than the expression of emotion. Yeah. And ultimately, if I give you the, if I cut to the chase, there's a psychological term, uh, a well-known, well-known psychological term known as flow which is an experience that the performer is actually experiencing when it is an optimal performance. So if you are performing at your absolute best and you are, you, you, you are immersed in your performance, your level of concentration elevates you to a sort of a, a transcendent state, which is not emotional. It might be a part of it which is emotional. I mean, it's not going to be not there. But it's 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 a far higher experience. It's it's one of uh, it's it's a, a transcendent. You transcend your ego. You lose track of time. You lose track of who's in the audience. You lose track of the actual earthly um, either limitations of the setting or earthly anything of the setting. Actually, it's a sort and of you exist yeah. in this creative plane where where there is only joy and where there is a sense of freedom. And I found myself writing. Um, in the thesis, a sense that you are able to create, and I've always found this even as a student, when I first became, became, started playing with orchestras, in a performance, there would be these moments where I felt so free, and I did different kinds of timings with, you know, even minute timings between notes, um, where, you, where you had the, the liberty to do it, where you weren't having to keep time with the orchestra. Yeah. But if there were moments in between, which which I was I had not done in my practice room, and I had not done under any other kind of um, sort of playthrough or, or, or mini performance version of that particular concerto. And the more I interviewed uh, the performers, so I, in the end I interviewed ten pianists. And the more it became clear that the older or more experienced the pianists became, um, I think one of my oldest. Uh, they were was well, she was in her 50s and the others 30s 40s and of course the students were young sort of in early 20s i shouldn't call them two students because some of them had graduated um that that experience was what we are after as performers yeah it's a and sort of sense of elation as a younger person you, you've had a taste of it and many said that that taste of uh, that kind of sense of freedom to to just be and to be at your most creative was what drew them perhaps unconsciously but it, it drew them towards performance and i must also stress it doesn't only happen in music it can happen everybody who's listening to this has had this experience they might have been writing a paper they might have been gardening um they, they might have been rock climbing that's yeah so so it, 
it's a, it's a, it's a state of being where you lose track of time, space, ego, anything but the object itself. Although it's not, I'm sorry, not object, but the activity or task itself. And you almost merge with that task. You yeah. almost become one with that task. And the, the, the psychologist who, who coined this phrase, his name is Csikszentmihalyi. <laughs> and um, I think it was 1990, in fact. Yeah. And since then, it's become a very well-known phenomenon. Um, and it's a very delightful phenomenon. It's a very delightful place to be. And that is what the performer has experienced. When you as the audience member um, are watching and listening to somebody who appears to be uh, trans transformed or <laughs> in a different state of mind or a different, you know, absolutely in a state of ecstasy, that's correct. But to call it an emotional state is incorrect. Yeah. Okay. Well, after all that, um Love is here to stay is your next choice, and let's just listen to that. That was Jackie Bayard, and Love is here to stay. The choice of Catherine Foxcroft, who's my guest in People of Note tonight. And as you could hear from our last exchange, she's done a PhD on the subject of emotion in performance. And I, I find it a very, very interesting subject. I, let's, let's just talk about performers for a moment because piano performers have practiced for hundreds of hours before they give a recital, let's say. So that a lot of that activity on the stage is uh, mechanical in a way. It's, it's a mechanical yes. memory function. Yes. Uh, but but when it's when you're really when you've memorized something absolutely perfectly of course you are then at liberty to do all sorts of things in your performance yes. and i guess this is also connected in a way if we think of the uh the people like the sand people who who have a trance dance it's it's in a way it's a similar type of thing yes where you enter yes. another state almost yes Absolutely. Um, if I think of trance music, because I, I do uh, lecture a little bit on that um, in my music health in the brain course. So in the in trance music, where and and there's it's it's a little bit different in the sense that if one becomes overwhelmed, one's not actually performing so that there are people watching you. Yes. You are actually immersed in the experience itself. So you actually you're not that distinction I made earlier between performer and listener doesn't really apply when going into trance music. Yes. And actually, I was thinking also while you were talking of myself as or anyone who is conducting, that in a way you are in the lucky position as a conductor of being both listener and performer. Yes. Uh, which mm. is a really interesting thing. I mean, I hadn't really considered it consciously before, but while you were mm. talking, I was thinking, yes, uh, you are both of those things because you're in control of it, but you're hearing the overall picture where the people in the orchestra, you're, you're like the audience in hearing the overall yes. picture because that's yes. actually your job. Um, yes. So no wonder it becomes overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rather you than me. <laughs> I know. It's it's a tough job, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, but everyone thinks one. it is a very rewarding <laughs> one and everyone thinks of course you know the orchestra players they say ah oh, you just stand there and wave your arms yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but um, it is it's an extraordinary privilege actually to be in that position and i'm always grateful 
when when I can do these uh, like great works that have been written by Bach or Mendelssohn or whoever it is, and just mm, mm. enjoy the music on sort of vicariously on behalf of the audience. Mm, mm. Now, uh, blues music is is powerful, as we all know, and Leonard Cohen particularly is powerful, partly because of his incredible lyrics that he writes. So yes. just tell us about Everybody Knows, and then we're going to listen to it. Oh, it's such a beautiful song. Um, I also discovered Leonard Cohen in my 20s, but wasn't that drawn to him initially. But as I've uh, matured, let's say, rather than got older, <laughs> um, it is his lyrics. Uh, there's a stunning video that goes along with that particular um, uh, recording that I've sent you. Um, and I, I don't know what it is about his voice, quality of voice. Some, I mean, my, my family can't stand listening to, to <laughs> that particular quality of voice. And, and there's something, it just, it just hits that spot in my heart. I don't know, I don't know how much better I can explain it. That wasn't actually a pretty good, very good explanation. Um, but the, the, the combination of the words and his voice, um, the message, there's a pathos there. There's such a beauty in, and 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 the, the the theme in that particular song of of going, uh, the message of love from big, uh, yeah. It's just it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I I can't. I I really struggle to, to say it better than that, Richard. Yeah. So I think I'm fumbling here. No, no, that's all right. Everybody knows this is the famous Leonard Cohen. That was the wonderful Leonard Cohen with Everybody Knows. The choice of Catherine Foxcroft, who's my guest in People of Note. That's the program you're listening to on Classic 1027. It's broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8. And I'm Richard Cock, and I introduce you to someone, and we listen to their story, really, the story that they have to tell. And let's just go back for a moment to Makanda and uh, Rhodes University, where you are teaching. What is the state of music at the moment at Rhodes University? Do you have a, a, a good turnout of students? Have you got uh, a large staff? How? Just give us a bit of a picture of the music department at Rhodes University. Good, all right. So the, the department, so we're quite a small department um, in terms of staff, uh, students, and in, indeed our facilities, you know, if I compare it to uh, the Conservatoire in Stellenbosch or Pretoria University or any of the others. However, we are connected with ILAM, the International Library of African Music. And I've been here now since 2003, and it has grown exponentially, exponentially since 2003, partly because of the um, approach we took a couple of years ago. We changed our Bachelor of Music degree, and indeed our BA Music degree, um, to include African ensembles and the study of African music. So whereas when I originally came here, we offered quite a traditional music degree in the sense that it had been formerly quite Western-oriented. Um, and if I think of our practical students, we offered Western art music and jazz, which was quite exclusive because it meant that those students who wanted to study music in some way didn't have prior knowledge or experience and had, had no um, teaching in those uh, in, in any kind of instrument or, or voice at secondary level could actually, well, they were restricted. They couldn't actually study music with us. 
So a couple of years ago, we included African ensembles um, as a, a degree major possibility in practical music. Um, practical music is one of the majors that you do as a, as a Bachelor of Music or BA Music, BSc Music um, student. And our numbers have, I mean, they're radically different now. So whereas previously in a first year, we would have been delighted with 20 uh, newcomers, first year students, we now have on average about 100 first year students coming in. That's fantastic. So the, yes, it and and the the degree itself is in an academic, um, if we look at the academic courses, we usually, well, we not usually, we had, uh, musicology which was western art and jazz music history and theory this we then changed to again be more inclusive not only um, of different people and their backgrounds and their choices of music but also what we offered as academics so if we stick with music psychology this is now music psychology is a very well recognized um, field of expertise in musicology but it was not offered as part of a degree here um, it was it was offered. I, I I initiated and I and two colleagues, uh, Mark Dewey was one of them. who's no longer here, but he was head of department at the time. Um, and Diane Thram, who was in um, ILM, she's also since retired. So we initiated this course, which was um, offered to the broader campus, and it was always very popular. I think you say health and brain and music. I mean, even I <laughs> am attracted to that title. So we've always had a lot of students involved. Um, but we actually then made it part of the BMAS, or the academic, the music, the music um, uh, major. So again, whereas previously, uh, until we opened up and, and expanded our degree, uh, uh, um, the, the course music musicology to become music culture and history, where we offer four different components that you can, you will dabble in all of them before you major in your third year. But that the included, the included, the new included courses are psychology, world music, Western art music, um, and jazz and African-American music. So those became options for people that wanted to major in musicology. The numbers look, if I say now at first year level, whereas we had, when it was only Western art music and jazz in you know, years gone by before we opened up our degree, we might we would have been happy with 10 to 15 students at first year level coming in. And now currently we have close to 200 at first year level. That's fantastic. So they're not all doing a Bachelor of Music yes. and they may not all be majoring, but equally if you look at a, a psychology, sociology, English department, all of that at first year level, um, not everyone's going to be a, a psychologist or a, you know, a sociologist yeah. or, or something like that. So we, and we found that the students have remained, so they don't sort of do one year and then drop. Our numbers are, um, well, well, radically different and radically more better, higher than, yeah. than when, when I first came to Rhodes. And I feel extremely good about offering what I think of as the three pillars of music in South Africa at Rhodes. So we offer African ensemble music, we offer jazz and we offer Western art and it, the, it's inclusive. So it's inclusive to all, no matter what your background is, you may have done matric music and then there's the option for you to go into Western art and jazz or indeed African ensemble if you prefer. But there is also that offer for that student who loves music, but where there was no music offered at secondary level, no individual teaching, nothing like that at all. They come in and they um, are, they can start, they can, they can learn and study um, at first year level and indeed go through to fourth year. Yeah. So yeah, that's what Fabulous. we offer here. 
All right, well, here comes your next choice. Now, this is uh, Carlos Gardel and a piece called Por Una Cabeza. That was Carlos Gardel and his piece Por Una Cabeza, the tango from that film Scent of a Woman. Uh, also quite an emotional sort of piece, and, and uh, tangos, of course, are quite emotional dances. And I just want to pick up on something you said there. You talked about music and health, uh, because I'm a firm believer that music is actually uh, not only good for your health, but almost essential for one's physical and mental health. And I don't know whether you have any opinion on that. I agree, absolutely. Um, and you and I are speaking as professional musicians. Yeah. Um, it's perhaps a little bit different in that sense. Quite a few uh, research papers, you know, are, are indicating that music is necessary, but it also can provide a lot of anxiety, especially if there's performance involved yeah. or if you're earning your living from it. Or um, so, in that sense, it's not only um, positive in in a health sense. Yeah. But if we look at the general public, um, people who actively unconsciously use music for purposes of release, emotional release, of changing their moods, um, of feeling better or, or of uh, feeling consoled. Uh, it's been absolutely eye-opening in, in classes that, that we're at, where, where we look at the common use of music every day. Yeah, use of music by everybody who's in that class because there's never a person in the class who's there they don't love music. Yeah, and and the kinds of things that people use music for, um, is it's 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 it rivals the use of medication. It's of course used um, in treatments uh, of illnesses as serious as Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or indeed cancer treatments and all sorts of those things like that. That in that sense it's. Uh, it doesn't replace medication, but it's yeah. used holistically. Um, but if I look at the students who are, by and large, a very healthy, robust group of people, um, yeah, you, you seldom today see people without their headphones on walking down streets. The, yeah. the technology has allowed each and every one of us to have our own um, playlist. Uh, the younger generation, so my son's generation, the schoolgoers, you know, gone are the days of even wasting time fast-forwarding anything. I mean, I think of cassettes and I, I shudder. <laughs> or, you know, on a radio or having to go and buy that particular single, you know, that you've saved up for. I mean, everything is so accessible now. And and that's amazing, you know. So people people can, can uh, moderate their emotions, manage their day-to-day um, -day feelings. A lot of students tell me that they actually use music to get up in the morning. So, yeah. you know, they might be lying there and thinking, oh, it's such a challenging day, or how am I going to get up, or I'm just too depressed, or I'm too overwhelmed with work. On goes some upbeat music, and off they go. So, uh, yeah, it music has it definitely has a very general use for the healthy population um, it, of, of health and well-being, and it, it complements medical treatment in more severe illnesses. Um, and for you and I as professionals, I mean, you know, this last year has taught me that much as I might moan about performing or performing experiences or opportunities or um, venues or what attitudes or what have you, because I've had all my moans, like everybody, when it's removed and you actually can't do it, 
Yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So you then I really realized and, and learned the exactly what music is to me um, yeah. and how my identity is linked inextricably with being a performer, being a musician, having had that as part of my life since as long as I can remember. You know, from, from formal lessons starting at age five to studies overseas to amazing experiences of performance that are either good or not good through meeting musicians, through being part of belonging yeah. to a group of performing musicians. It's, yeah, it's, it's taught me a lot, not so much even of, of well-being, although maybe it is because if it's your identity and your identity is then removed or, or not allowed, yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, I think I seriously yeah. suffered from some depression last year in not being able yeah. to actually even plan a concert, let alone play one. Yeah, and this is uh, part of the reason why I think musicians just go on in life. Very seldom do musicians retire. They just go on until yes. they don't go on anymore. Uh, yes. Because it's so much part of their existence. Okay, yes. let's listen now to some uh, singing. This is uh, from Rigoletto, Bella Filia dell'Amore, a famous quartet. That was music by Giuseppe Verdi from Act Three of Rigoletto, Bella Filia dell'Amore, one of the most famous uh, ensemble pieces in all of opera. Uh, that uh, complicated uh, four-part writing for voices there by Verdi. And it's the choice of Catherine Foxcroft, who's my guest in People of Note. And actually talking about opera, this is one area where there's lots of emotion always, lots of emotion in opera. And, and uh, essentially, it's about emotion, I think. Uh, and I just want to say, um, Catherine, that we, recently, there have been some green shoots in the music world here, certainly in Gauteng, and we've done some open-air mm. concerts. And I've been mm. amazed at how happy people have been to be back listening to music again. We've had mm. mm. sold-out venues. Although they're not huge, we, you know, you, we've only been allowed sort of 100 people or 250 people, but completely sold out and very quickly because people are longing desperate desperate mm. for this mm. sort of experience again with their children mm. with their families and actually mm. i've noticed much younger people now suddenly coming to concerts as though they've realized during lockdown mm. that there's something else to life and i maybe you've got some <laughs> comment about that yes now we've had similar experiences here um there are shoots here as well. So there are a couple of uh, smaller concerts starting to happen. I have a couple of um, invitations to play at music societies, but the the um, understanding is that I'll be given short notice to say, okay, it's fine to come now, we've got permission. And, and currently it does look like uh, yeah. we do have permission to perform. Um, yeah, we had uh, Baroque concerts planned at the end of last year um, at Rhodes, which um, unfortunately at the last minute, the audience part of it was cancelled. Uh, hugely grateful that our, our um, university management permitted the concert to go ahead um, because it was partly exam, so students, you know, that was their examination. Um, 
but uh, witnessing that actually that was the first time I'd heard live music since March and I I, I was then overwhelmed yeah. to speak about it just hearing the actual sound because there is nothing more dreadful than sound on zoom I think I speak on behalf of every yeah. musician teacher or learner around the world it's dreadful so I mean recordings are you just the whole energy is lost so we had that at the end of last year so I witnessed um absolute joy from those performers the students able to actually play and do what they'd been training to do and then in the streets where i if i'd bump into a, an audience member because we had a, in fact got as far as selling tickets but then we had that terrible second wave happening yeah. starting to happen and all events were cancelled you know countrywide at varsity so it wasn't um you know it wasn't just specific to roads but people saying to me, "Oh, we 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 can't we can't believe it was cancelled. We'd so looked forward to it." Um, yeah, so people have missed it. We had a, a master's exam here uh, two weeks ago, where again absolutely packed, but you know only twenty five people allowed in. So an invitation, uh, yeah. you know, the, the guests were the audience members were invited by the performer, but electric, yep. and it reminded me actually of what it, my teacher Arivadi said to me. Oh, the whole class actually more than 20 years ago you know we were lamenting the small audiences and he said you know what if you've got 11 people sitting in that audience and it's you playing to them it's a full house because every one of them is wanting to be there and loving every moment of it yeah so don't complain yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no this it's starting up at roads again as well and i and i hope we've got all our practical students back so we are also permitted to, to do face-to-face -face teaching um, and yeah, with all the precautions, obviously, and we've got screens with, for extra uh, protection. We had that the whole of last year, in fact, for, for, for about six months and had no cases of COVID reported through that. So, yeah, we're yeah. hopeful. Good. It does feel a little bit better than, than a year yeah. ago, where I recall we were in our houses and, yeah. you know, only going out for food and medicine. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk about uh, chamber music in a moment, but let's listen to some Brahms first. This is part of the piano quartet uh, in G minor. It's the third movement. I, I'm not sure who's playing in this, um, and maybe you can tell us when it, it was the one that you chose. So let's listen to it first. This is Brahms coming up. That was the third movement of the piano quartet in G minor by Brahms. And it's the choice of Catherine Foxcroft. Can you tell us who was playing there? I'm not entirely sure, okay. um, Richard. The name should be there. It's it is it is one of the recordings that that's very well. Uh, it's a, it's a young group, um, and yeah, I can't tell you yeah. their names offhand. It's not in front of me. Here and now. do you do you yourself? Do you do much chamber music? Yes. So that um, I almost sent you my own recording of that um with the Odeon quartet but the first bit of it is cut off yeah. so um it's it's my favorite so the Brahms Brahms chamber music is my absolute favorite to play um I I played the Quint, Brahms quintet the year before last um and I've played that quartet quite a few times I actually played it um as one of my exam pieces for at Pretoria University for my uh DMAS. um I mean, I love Brahms in all sorts. I mean, for the piano concerti, the symphonies, the chamber music, uh, the solo works, I, I, I really connect with him. Yeah. I, again, that, that's something that happened in my 20s studying in Germany. Um, I wasn't a Brahms lover or player at all while I was uh, in South Africa before I left South Africa. Um, but yes, and, and the, the chamber music, I play probably more chamber music than solo at the moment. Yeah. 
um, uh, yeah. So also, a special thing to play with other people rather than as a solo recital. I mean, I, I from that point mm. of view, chamber music is very special. That sort of sharing of emotions, yeah. Yeah, and, and not just emotion. I mean, um, there is a lot more to music than emotion. It's a very important part of it. But for me, the, the cognitive aspects of, of simply, you know, creating different time, spaces, sound, pictures, soundscapes, um, and working with different personalities is interesting. Um, and, and in the end, every, so I played that quartet, for example, that you've just played with, with, uh, with I said it with the Odeon, but I'd also played it with, in Germany with a group of friends when I was still a student, when I was learning it. Um, and it's always a different experience. So the, the love of the music, I think, more than my own personal or emotional satisfaction. Yeah. I think draws me because sometimes I don't want to, you know, you don't want to feel emotional. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, will, you will choose something that's more spiritually yeah, uplifting but you or can just, that you connect on a different kind of level. Yeah, and you, one like performing Bach, for example, one I just always yeah. exult in the brilliance yes. of his music. Yeah, mm. he's unbelievable. Mm. Uh, now, I guess your next choice uh, is probably with your son in mind. This is the <laughs> Rachmaninoff cello yes. sonata. With, Ma. <laughs> yes, with Yo-Yo Ma and Emmanuel Axe. Let's listen to that. That was the third movement of the cello sonata by Rachmaninoff, featuring the wonderful Yo-Yo Ma and Emmanuel Axe. And I just, uh, did you by any chance hear Yo-Yo Ma in Cape Town when he was here? Unfortunately, no, I didn't. <laughs> Would have loved to. Yeah, you see, that that was another concert that amazed me because there must have been probably 5,000 people there and how many of them, under normal circumstances, would listen to Yo-Yo Ma? I wonder, or sure. listen, or listen to, you know, a cello sonata by Rachmaninoff. But because it was mm. Yo-Yo Ma, they were yes. all there, and I think that's an extraordinary yes. thing. And I wonder how many of those people then went on to listen to other stuff, other music. Yes, yes. I find that a, yeah. an interesting story. Yes, I yeah. do too. And I mean, there's another guy, Bobby McFerrin, who does this too. I mean, he's an extraordinary musician. Um, mm. I don't know if it, it, maybe our listeners don't even know what I'm talking about with Bobby McFerrin, but if you just Google Bobby McMCFERRIN, uh, you will find some amazing stuff on, on uh, YouTube and various places on the internet of this incredible musician who is just so versatile and talented and brilliant. And he sort of draws people into his orbit in the most extraordinary way, a bit like Yo-Yo Ma, I think. Yeah. But that particular recording you've just played with Emmanuel Axe is, I mean, I, I've listened to many versions of that sonata. I've played it myself, the piano version, obviously. And and that is, that's just the best. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary playing yep now uh we're going to go back i'm i think we should play something of you playing now because it's always good to have my guests playing themselves <laughs> and we're going to listen to uh schubert we've had some rachmaninoff now so let's listen to some schubert this is the scherzo from the sonata in b flat major let's listen to that that was the scherzo and trio from the Schubert Sonata in B-flat major uh, from a CD called A Portrait 
and it's played by my guest in People of Note, Catherine Foxcroft. And looking at the cover photograph, was it recorded um, in the Beethoven room at Rhodes University? It was, the, the, the photographs were taken at Rhodes University in yes. the Beethoven Hall, but it was actually recorded on the Steinway um, in Pal. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Mm. At the uh, Hugo Lamprecht Center in their concert hall there. Oh, yeah, which is, uh, that concert hall is lovely, actually, very good for sound. Yes. Um, yeah, and I had an awesome sound engineer, Nolan Chayat. Um, and, yeah, so it, it, we, he produced it for me. Um, and then the photography and the design of the, the, the computer, uh, computer CD came later. Yeah. So it was supposed to be launched, uh, actually, at the, at the beginning of last year. Um, and... Then the whole year it was it was on hold. So, it, and I still haven't actually technically launched it because we can't even have a <laughs> gathering yet at Rhodes. Yeah. In that sense, that can't you know we can't do virtually. So I hope that at some point I'll be able to play a bit of it. Yeah. And, you know. Have but a bit but of if gathering. people if people would like to get hold of it, how do they do that? Well, they can either I have sold quite a few. They I can either be emailed directly or uh, I mean. I'm about to, I haven't done it yet, I'm so sorry to say, but I'm, my students are begging me to put it on Spotify or to one of the various, play I haven't yet, but I'm planning to. Um, uh, yeah, I have to get myself, and are you, because are you, I haven't launched it, yeah. I've kind of left it and I yeah. don't want to do a virtual launch. But if they want it, people are very welcome to email and I will post it um, or other, yeah. yeah How, that's and probably are you happy to give out your email over the air or should they email me? Absolutely. And I'll, yes. Okay. Will you give it? Yep, uh, C. Foxcroft. That's F O X C R O F T at R U. dot A C. dot Z A. So people will find it anyway. That's my Rhodes address, and I'm, it's obviously it's on the Rhodes website. Yes. Um, otherwise, I can be WhatsApped at o seven nine three one o two six eight three, and I'd be very happy to uh, post. Okay, just give us that number again. O seven nine. O seven nine three one o. Two six eight three. Very good. And here comes that email address again: c. Foxcroft at ru. ac. za. And I'll give those out again uh, at the end of the program. But that's for the CD, uh, which has not been launched yet by my guest on People of Note, Catherine Foxcroft. It's called A Portrait, and it has uh, the Schubert Sonata in B flat major, and then. The Rachmaninoff Sonata Number no. Two. These are both solo performances on piano, and we're going to listen to you again now. Uh, this is uh, a live performance of Beethoven Concerto Number no. Three, and I think uh, we should play the slow movement from that. Um, okay. Is that okay? That's fine. Yes. And this was with the uh, Free State Symphony Orchestra. Uh, presumably right. with your brother-in-law conducting? No, 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 no it wasn't with him. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, very nice conductor. I can't remember his name. Hold on a second. It's on my wall there. I'll, I'll, after, it's after all right. Stated, I'll be able okay. to tell you. So oh, here it comes. This is the slow movement of the Beethoven Concerto Number no. 3 with the Free State Symphony Orchestra. This was recorded in 2018. That was my guest in People of Note, uh, Catherine Foxcroft playing the Beethoven Concerto Number no. 3 with a Free State Symphony Orchestra, and that was recorded a couple of years ago, and we may know who is conducting. 
Conrad von Alphen. Conrad von Alphen, who is a South African, originally from... No, he's a, uh, I think he's a Dutch... Yeah, but um, he, he was born here. Oh, uh, beg your pardon. Yes, yes. sorry. He lives, he lives currently he in, lives Netherlands. in, right. in yes. the Netherlands, but he comes from Pretoria and via Bloemfontein. Correct. That's right. And for some years, he played in the National Symphony Orchestra um, and now is a conductor. He has his own chamber orchestra, the Rotterdam Chamber Orchestra, and he does fantastic work. So that's um, that. It was a wonderful experience. I really enjoyed working with yeah. him. No, he's a he's a great conductor, wonderful conductor, and he comes here. Well, he did come here quite often. Yes. Yeah. Um, now uh, we've got a little time left, and we've got uh, one more piece of Leonard Cohen coming up. Uh, earlier, we talked about the fact that you had opened your courses at. Rhodes University and you've gone in a slightly different direction and there's lots uh, about uh, Rhodes must fall uh, there has been lots about that um, have do you think you've gone far enough on I mean to use a sort of catchphrase decolonialization of your music courses at Rhodes uh, Richard it's an ongoing topic um, we did we were a little bit ahead of the pack in in changing our degree structure um the the roads must fall and the fees but all of those protests happened sort of a year or two after we'd already changed so we were quite pleased that we'd done that but having said that it's it's an ongoing topic which we as academics at tertiary level must interrogate and we are interrogating um i'm extremely pleased with the development in postgraduate research in our department, um, which covers all aspects uh, and all genres, and all, and so there's, there's, that's kind of quadrupled in the last 15 years or so. But if we're looking at newcomers or students coming in and want and talking about music or studying music as such, have we, have we, have we decolonized sufficiently? Um, and I'm not going to give you an answer yes, because I think it's a work in progress. Um, I think it's something we're very conscious of, and that's great to be part of a, a, a department and a university indeed that's moving forward or moving in absolutely the right direction. Um, I'm always um, interested when students, uh, we have this audition process at the beginning of the year and in order to audition for either African ensembles, Western art music or jazz, so offering the three pillars, the number of requests I get from students who haven't had the benefit of um, education in Western art music or jazz, you know, begging to start at beginner level at, at university in those genres of music. That, that still interests me. There's, there's, and it tells me that there's no shortage of interest. And for me, that's actually the, quite a, it's, that's the anchor of our music program. The minute there's no interest from the public in Western art music, let's say, then that's the time to consider moving away from it. Yeah. But even last week or two weeks ago when the students came in, the number of students I had to say, well, I'm really sorry, but you unfortunately can't start at this level because you simply won't pass. It's like you can't come in and do first year maths if you haven't done matric maths. It's yeah. a certain level in that particular genre. However, we can offer you either an academic course or we can offer you um, African ensembles where it does start at beginner level and it is possible. 
Um, it takes me by surprise still, the number of people who are actually quite desperate to start learning piano, guitar, uh, trumpet, um, or jazz, uh, drums, that kind of thing, and, and sit down and I say, all right, well, let's hear it. And they're like, well, we've never ever played or yeah. had any learning. So, yeah, yeah. so for me, it, it, it's, a, it's a complex um, issue. But I mean, I'm I'm interested that the that the interest in Western art and jazz, it might be, yeah, it might be that few are coming in with those skills, and and that's problematic for me because that's a problem at 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 a at secondary education level, um, and there's much discussion amongst educationalists and music education about how, um, yeah, the skills are actually being watered down and people are doing more general arts and music and it's uh, despite um creative arts being kind of top of the list now in terms of what you <laughs> require to have as a person going into a job they look at your creative um capabilities yeah. it's kind of watered down at a lot of the at the secondary education at institutions so that's that's the that's the conversation we're having at the moment. Um, and it's we great. are very yeah. aware and very involved and engaged with this issue. That's fantastic. So your next choice is Leonard Cohen. You want it darker. Here it comes. That was Leonard Cohen from the album Leonard Cohen Essentials called You Want It Darker. The choice of Catherine Foxcroft, who's been my guest in People of Note tonight. And we're, we're coming up to your final choice, and I think we should come back to you. And perhaps you can say either we play uh, the last movement of one of your piano sonatas or perhaps the last movement of Beethoven Piano Concerto Number no. 3. Maybe you can choose which you want. Um, did you play that? We did, did the second movement of the Beethoven, so we can maybe move towards um, the last movement of... Well, I love the second movement of my Rachmaninoff sonata. Okay, you, so we'll we'll play, we'll, play, we'll play that. But before we do that, I just want to uh, give all your details again, uh, because if you want to get in touch with Catherine, it's c.foxcroft at ru.ac.za, c.foxcroft at ru.ac.za, or if you want to WhatsApp her, 79 310 2683. I'll give that again. 079-310-2683. And you can contact her there. But it's been an amazing couple of hours that we've spent together and we've covered a lot of ground and I'm very grateful for that. And we've had uh, the sort of conversation I've not normally had here on uh, People of Note about performance uh, we had a very interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago about styles of pianism from people like Mosevich, uh, Paderewski, uh, and it was to do with two South African teachers, Adolf Hallis and Isidore Epstein, uh, and their styles of playing. It was a very interesting conversation, and it provoked quite a lot of mail back and forth. So if people want to email me, my uh, email address is my name, R-C-O-C-K, rcock at iafrica.com, because we've brought up a lot of issues tonight, and I'm very grateful to you, Catherine, for doing that. So let's, let's hear your final uh, choice now, which is the second movement of the Rachmaninoff Sonata. It's marked Non Allegro Lento, and this is my guest playing. 
That was the second movement of the Rachmaninoff Piano Sonata Number no. 2, played by my guest in People of Note, Catherine Foxcroft, and that's from her latest CD called A Portrait. And if you write to her or WhatsApp her, she'll be able to get you a copy, at, at a cost, of course. We're musicians <laughs> need some income. So there we are, another People of Note finished and it's been a very interesting one so thank you all at home for listening and thank you Catherine Foxcroft uh, for being on the program ah oh, thank you Richard great pleasure thanks for having me and it just remains for me to say good night to our listeners and don't forget to tune in during the week to the full works that's every evening from 7 to 10 except on public holidays and Fridays when it's 6 to 9 so thanks for listening. I hope you've had a good weekend and you have a good week ahead. And to all of you, a very good night. <laughs>